Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to what I think is one of the more involved, engaged, and um, uh, really substantive members, new members of Congress, uh, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Uh, uh, I've been really proud to bring people on the show recently that just aren't politicians with slogans, but are really focused on ideas, because ultimately elections are won by good ideas and by understanding and channeling the will of the American people into policy actions that meet that need, meet that will, meet that desire. And Congressman Chip Roy is a guy that is always talking about policy ideas. And he brings a lot of experience. He he was a cancer survivor, a very serious case of cancer. He beat it. He knows the importance and he preaches about health care choice, which a lot of Republicans miss the opportunity to talk about. Uh, he has long talked about the deficit. He's long talked about the need to support Israel and the danger of some of the democratic rhetoric and policies with Iran and China and others. Uh, so very substantive on foreign policy. Um, uh, and I also think that as one of the newer generations of Republicans in the House, he is subscribed to an old world. You know, it was a long time ago, I, I had the honor and blessing to spend a, a good part of a day with uh, President George H.W. Bush. Uh, this is long after he had retired. It was around 2010, 11, 12, somewhere in that time frame. And I went down to Houston and we spent the day and it was really a chance to interview and learn from an elder statesman. And, you know, some people don't like the Bush family in the Trump world. Some people in the Trump world do. But the man served his country bravely as a as a, uh, a pilot and, and a, a serviceman in our country, CIA director, RNC chairman, first ambassador to China, vice president for Donald Reagan, president. And he had this long lens of, perspective. And I remember asking him in the course of the conversation, uh, you know, what was the wisest thing that you and, and Ronald Reagan ever talked about? What was the best piece of wisdom or idea that you guys talked about? And he said to me, you know what? I remember Ronnie saying one time, uh, never pull the pin on a grenade in your own foxhole unless you intend to throw it on the enemy. In other words, don't blow yourself up. Don't kill your own people. And uh, Congressman Roy uh, ran for the open seat after Liz Cheney uh, was forced to resign as the number three House Republican. He ran against Elise Stefanik. He lost. And within a couple days of him losing that race, he gracefully went out and held a substantive news conference with Elise Stefanik and others to talk about the importance of American support for Israel, 
stamping out anti-Semitism, stamping out mixed messaging, giving the Palestinians or Hamas hope that maybe it's okay to carry out terrorist rocket attacks. And he did so just within a few days. And, and a lot of people saw the event for the policy substance. That's important. But also it sent the message that he could run against Elise Stefanik Luz. Could have been the other way around. Either way, the two could get up and, and agree that there were more important things to talk about than the race um, they were moving on. That's the sort of guy he is. We're going to have him on in a second. Let's go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Chip Roy, you're going to want to hear from him. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, we have a very special guest, somebody on the front lines of some of the most important battles in Congress right now. Congressman Chip Roy from the great state of Texas is joining us. Congressman, welcome to the show. John, great to be on the show. I'm staring at the Texas Capitol right now. I'm about to go visit some of my colleagues there in the Texas legislature because, you know, they got to stand strong while D.C. is doing a bunch of silly stuff. So I'm happy to be in Texas. And there's a lot of big things happening in Texas. They're taking on the critical race theory. They're uh, taking on immigration. There's a lot of great things uh, taking on election reform. Uh, uh, you can see in the Texas legislature a lot of incubation of great ideas that might one day make it to Washington. Yeah, I mean, you would hope. And we I just did a, a press conference with some folks here to save Austin now, which is to make sure we've got funding for our police officers. We Fantastic. just passed on a bipartisan basis a effort to uh, curb the homeless encampments here, both for their benefit and for safety. We got a lot we got to need to do, but uh, Texas is trying to stand in the breach and lead in the face of crazy leftist policies like here in Austin. It's, uh, it is remarkable to see a lot of big news. We covered a lot of just the news. It's a really fun state house and a fun governor, fun attorney general, lot of, a uh, lot of great activity and news and ideas flowing about. Now you, you are, you're full of ideas. And I think you do a lot of things in Congress that, uh, that really get attention, get people motivated. And the other day I saw something and, and it was as important for the substance because it was a very important issue. Uh, the Hamas Israel conf uh, conflict and how we get ahead of it and get America behind the right ally there. The, at the same time, it was just a few days after you and Elise Stefanik were in a race for the number three position. And I thought the fact that she and you were together and functioning and doing great things together was a sign that Republicans could have competitions and immediately show unity and get back to the people's business. Talk about that event first, just from the, the, the message that it sent that you're all Republicans, you're not blowing up each other, you're, you're focused on the enemy. Well, look, I appreciate that. And, and look, Elise is a friend. Uh, and, I, and I think people, I think, get wrapped up in the drama in the, in the swamp too often. And yeah, they get caught point. up in, in personalities and making things personal. Uh, when, when I ran against Elise, it was because I wanted to have a debate in our conference about the future of the party. Elise and I have very different voting records. We have disagreements about certain policies, whether it's transgenders in the military, whether it was uh, the Paris Agreement in Europe and right. so forth. Um, Elise has a duty to represent her district. I have a duty to represent mine. Uh, and as we try to come together as a conference and have unity, we need unity with purpose, right? Not just unity. We need unity with purpose. So that's why I ran. But, but like I ran, 
the party made a decision, or the conference, I should say, made a decision. Uh, Elise is our number three. She's a friend. We're working together. We agree on so many things. So we immediately talked about what we could do together. Uh, and, and one of those first things that we thought was imperative was to leave town, to leave Washington uh, on offense, talking about uh, the Democrats' unbelievable undermining of our ally in Israel, yeah. siding with Hamas and the uh, and the uh, you know danger that's coming out of the Gaza Strip at the hands of of Hamas, uh, firing over three thousand, maybe four thousand now rockets into Israel, and we wanted to show unity and strength in saying we stand with Israel, and that the president has a duty that he represents the people and the American people unequivocally stand with Israel, and I think that message helps, right? I mean, you know, we've got this at least temporary ceasefire. You see it when we yeah. stand united. That message I think resonates, and so Elise and I were committed to doing that along with our friend Brian Mass who served in the uh, IDF and the Israeli Defense Forces, in right. addition to serving the United States military, lost both of his legs in service to our country. Lee Zeldin, a strong advocate for Israel. And we had a great showing. It was a mix across the ideological spectrum within the party, having a press conference, and I was proud to stand with the least to do that. And, you know, you saw an impact because within a couple of days, Joe Biden felt compelled to utter these words, my party stands with Israel. He had to clarify to the American people that at least he, as the representative of the party, stood by Israel. There's obviously some members of the squad and others that don't seem to be, but I think you, you generated that pressure that led him to make that comment. I was a surprised comment when he said it. a lot of people were like, why is he saying it? I think it was that show of unity on the other side that prompted him to feel like he had to get in the game and and, and take over the microphone from some in his party. Um, when you look at the situation, uh, we're four, a little bit of four months into the Biden presidency. When when Donald Trump handed over the keys, the border was stable, illegal immigration was at an all-time low or record low for a long time. Um, we had a strong economy. Uh, inflation was in check. And the Middle East was at peace. And in four months, the Middle East is aflamed, the border's wide open, and, and we have people suffering in camps and other things. And the economy has shown all these signs. How quickly, why do you think it has turned so quickly? I mean, it really is a dramatic thing. People feel it when they go to the gas station with high prices or uh, read the newspaper. Uh, what do you think Biden did so quickly to change the tenor of these issues? Well, if it weren't so sad, I would say that we should come up with an award for the most destructive four months of a presidency in the history of our country. Because if it, you really can't actually make up, if you wanted to, how uh, every policy choice that you would choose to make to make our country stronger, to make our uh, defense stronger, to have a stronger border, to have a stronger economy, to have safer communities, you would do the exact opposite of what the Biden administration has done. I mean, literally, uh, unfortunately, President Biden is um, beholden to the radical left of his party, a radical left that does not believe in American greatness, that is totally fine teaching our kids that America is evil with critical race theory, that believes we should be saddling up with uh, Hamas instead of Israel, is lamenting the fact that we worked with Israel together to have that strong Iron Dome that's protecting Israelis, that helped to have them be strong to create Middle East peace, that is perfectly fine with cartels having operational control of our border, fentanyl pouring in, yeah. more fentanyl in the first four months of 2021 than in all of 2020. They're perfectly fine with dangerous streets like we have in Austin, where we've now reached 32 murders this year. We oh had my a gosh. total of Right. I mean, which is amazing, right? We had through this point in time in 2019, we had 14 murders. It is doubling. We have dangerous streets. Our economy is now getting crushed. Six trillion dollars. Inflation running rampant because of crazy radical policies where they think they can just print money. I could go on and on, but literally 
every single policy, they are making the wrong decision, and the American people know it. And I think that's going to come to fruition in 22 and 24. But I just hope Republicans are ready to lead, and that's our job. That is the key, to have an agenda and ideas and the personalities and the determination to get the job done when you get the reins back. The um, uh, In talking about the Israel-Hamas conflict, uh, there has been an, another dynamic in the United States kind of beneath the surface of, the, of what's playing out in Israel, and that is an enormous rise of hateful anti-Semitism events and attacks and statements. And now also, we've also seen a large number of anti-Asian violence. And so these prejudices, these hateful prejudices are, are manifesting themselves at the beginning of this presidency. Um, what what caused it and how how best do we address it? I know you feel real strongly about this. How do we put this anti-Semitism back in a bottle and say, enough, this is wrong? Same thing with the anti-Asian violence. What, what, what do you see going on that allowed this to happen, and how do we get it back in, under control? Number one, we should be judging people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. We need to stop divvying us up by race, to quote John Roberts when he said in a Supreme Court opinion that it is a sordid business, this divvying us up by race. And that is the opposite direction we should be going. Yet this administration, uh, the Democratic Party, the radical left of the Democratic Party, literally spends every day, all day, trying to divide our country by race, try to plant seeds of hatred. They do it in our schools with critical race theory. They do it in uh, all of the rules they put in place in uh, federal bureaucrats, um, universities, uh, you know, contracts, all of the stuff they're doing. It's very much designed to divide us. And the second prong of this is you got to punish evildoers. And you do so with blind justice that I don't care whether a white guy kills a black guy or a black guy kills a white guy or an Asian guy is killed by a black guy or another Asian. or I, The person who carries out the crime needs to be punished. That's what we do in a system in which law and order prevails. And you try to root out crime. There's punishment for it. And you do not then try to heighten divisions. You rather try to uh, lower the temperature and not divide us by race. And then the third prong is, this we're seeing now the democratic party's last breath their gasps at trying to hold on to what made their their uh their strength over the last three decades in trying to race bait and focus on saying they're the party for the poor the fact is the republican party has been standing up and creating jobs creating opportunity creating wealth for people regardless of color and people are seeing that and the american people that's part of trump's strength right standing up for the forgotten men and women, regardless of the race, who are sick and tired of watching other people piggybacking on government programs or somehow making it through while they're working hard. And we're seeing a massive expansion of the middle class in black and Hispanic communities that was growing under the Trump administration that this administration is rooting out. And I think Democrats know this, and they know that they've got to find a way to sort of create that division uh, among the races in order to try to retain political power. I just hope that that is seen by the American people as what it is, the last gasp of a, of a dying party. That's a, that is the key to see those, those dynamics uh, come to play. When, um, when we look out now, uh, 2022 is going to be an epic election. Um, millions, billions are going to be spent on it. Um, but there is a, the growing, uh, a growing picture of what Republicans and conservatives stand for. And uh, I wonder, as you look back, I mean, a lot of people I've talked to who are studying the polling data, really smart people that study elections for a living, say, this feels like 1979 meeting 1993, meaning the Jimmy Carter phenomenon of 79 meets the 1993 phenomenon of the New Gingrich revolution. 
Uh, as you look across the conference now in the House and, and your colleagues in the Senate and across the states, what are what is the promise that Republicans can make? Is there a new contract for America that can be made? What is the opportunity for uh, this country, uh, for Republicans to put a unified message so that people know where they stand on all the big issues? Well, look, I think this is one of the critical things Republicans need to be working on over the next year. And I think we have about a year for Republicans to demonstrate that they are not just capable of leading because we're better than crazy radical leftists, but because we have a vision for where we want to carry the country forward. I think we do have that vision when you have conversations across our party about where we want to go. And it's pretty simple, right? It's the core responsibility of government. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to common sense, what the government is supposed to do, which is to keep our streets safe, to keep our communities safe, to secure our borders so that we have a sovereign nation, yes, with doors that we control the ebb and flow, but that we have a strong uh, border that we know we can uh, be confident that we don't have cartels running it. To have strong positions with a sparingly used but strong military, where we stand with our allies, we're checking China, checking Iran, making sure we're building the kind of networks we need to, growth in the Western Hemisphere to stem the growth of China into our backyard. Um, and, and then, frankly, on the cultural fight, stop having Washington, D.C. telling you how to live your life. That's, at the end of the day, what the American people, they don't want to be told what to do. They don't want Washington coming in and telling you that some, uh, you know, boy is going to run against your daughter in a track meet, even though right. it's, you know, because that boy says he's a girl. Um, they don't want to, you know, have confusion about that there's, you know, two bathrooms. They, they don't. They just want common sense. They don't want their kids taught that America's evil in school with this critical race theory. Once they learn it, they go, wait, this is crazy. And if there's one great thing that came out of the horrible year of government intrusion in our lives with respect to the uh, coronavirus response, it's that the veil has been lifted on a corrupt, corrosive education system where the American people can see what's been happening to their kids in ways they didn't before. So to summarize, let's get back to the basics. Government jobs to secure our communities, secure our streets, secure our country, have a strong you know, national security, and then have a strong economy by focusing on job creation, by getting the government out of the way, uh, making sure that people are, are you know, rewarded for their work, have work requirements, not welfare just being handed out without work requirements. Let's make sure that we're focusing on that. And then let's on the cultural fight. Let's get Washington out of our lives, out of our business. That's where we want to be. Anything we do ought to focus on that kind of a framework. It, it seems to me that education will be a, that one of the big, uh, will be as big an issue in 2020 as it's ever been in an election. Cause I think you, you hit it right with this year exposed a couple of things, teachers who didn't want to teach um, and, and, and bring kids into school, even though the risk was low. And then uh, when they did come back or as they're coming back, injecting in these, these new curricula that a lot of Americans, the majority of Americans seem to deeply oppose um, do you think that's a winning issue, particularly for suburban moms and, and others in the, the larger Republican tent uh, to get them back in voting for you guys? Absolutely. I and mean, if you look at the numbers of how many uh, children or parents, I should say, that have pulled their children out into homeschooling or private schooling out of the public schools over the last year, and that homeschooling number is staying up, what we need to do is create the incentives so that parents can have true choice and be able to be free to educate their children the way they want to. Create the kind of competition and the, the kind of accountability that needs to exist in our public school system uh, because they're our kids and they're our future. I think the American people are seeing that. We saw some school board elections in Texas where we saw some turnover in the county I live in, in Hayes County. We saw some turnover. We saw some in other places. Uh, like I said, in addition to education, right, crime, right? These are the basics, right? 
we're seeing action in bright blue blueberry in the tomato soup, as my former boss Rick Perry used to call it, Austin, Texas, crazy liberal. But we saw overwhelming support by, among Democrats even to have uh, camping ordinance, you know, making sure that the homeless can't just exist all over our streets in Austin and now trying to support law enforcement. That's what the American people want, right? They want schools that work. They want their kids to learn reading, writing, arithmetic and be able to go out and compete in the world. They want their streets to be safe. They want the government to do its job. Stop spending $30 trillion in debt, $6 trillion in a year jamming up inflation. And at the end of the day, we're going to have to get back to the basics because when we have stagflation, which is low growth and a high cost of goods, right. when we have a slowing economy, people are going to be feeling the pain of that. We Republicans need to be able to launch out of that and get our country back on track. Such an important, um, such an important issue. You know, another one that I know is close to your heart, and I've I've watched you over the years really preach about the importance of healthcare freedom. And I don't think a lot of people know this, but earlier in your life, you were you were diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. You beat it, but you also came to appreciate one the importance of the medical system, but also the importance of healthcare choice, healthcare freedom. Do you think the Republicans have a good healthcare message going into 2022, or is that an area? that you and others can be working on to, to get a really good plan together? Well, I'm glad you asked about that. This is something that probably is, even though we haven't talked about it, might be my biggest passion uh, yeah. as a cancer survivor and watching what's happening to people unable to get the health care of their choosing, unable to go to the doctor of his or her choice. I, for example, I'm on Obamacare. Why? Because as a member of Congress, we're required to be on Obamacare. As such, I do not have a plan in which I can have my oncologist in uh, Houston at MD Anderson and my oncologist at Texas Oncology in Austin both covered under a plan. That's impossible under my plan, which is stupid. Because when I fought cancer 10 years ago, I had two great doctors, one doing the diagnostics, the other one keeping me healthy and just checking my blood in Austin so I didn't have to go back and forth to Houston. Why wow. would you do that? You know, th this is what we've done to our system. We've made it unaffordable. Yep. We've made getting the doctor of your choice unattainable. And we've done it for stupid reasons, all enriching insurance companies and making insurance bureaucrats be the ones calling the shots about your health care and not you. So Republicans' message, and I, I head up the Republican Study Committee Healthcare Task Force, our message is going to be simple. Personalized care for you, ensuring that you go to the doctor of your choice. No government or insurance bureaucrat gets to tell you what your health care is. We're going to make sure that you're able to have care and that absolutely you've got the backstop to, uh, to make sure that you can get that care. But we do that by allowing you to carry your insurance with you job to job by empowering you and getting uh, all of those people out of the way. If we talk about that the right way and you go to a soccer mom, you go to a, a dad, a, a, a parent, and you say, you're going to be able to control your health care. You're going to be able to go to the doctor of your choice and no, you're not going to be stuck without being able to get care. That's our Republican plan. And it's going to be affordable. I think it sells, and I think we should go on offense on that as well as education and stop pretending that's a Democrat issue. Yeah, no, this is the election where those two are the, the potential flip in the in the voters' mind could be very real yeah. if if the Republicans can leverage it. You can see it in the polling data, and in, even in the discussion. Now, your your political career, you've you've continued to widen the margin of victory in your district, which you know I think a lot of people say is a slight red district. I think the first time you ran, maybe about two or three points, if I remember correctly, and last time seven points. Um, uh, what has been the key? I mean, obviously you're in one of those important districts that, you know, really is that, that mix of suburban and urban and, and conservative. Um, what have you learned and what does your district tell you about the, the enormous opportunity awaiting Republican candidates in 2022? Well, 
what I always try to tell people about the, the two uh, general election races that I've run, and I like I ran through a primary with 18 folks right. uh, two I years ago, yeah. and, and I have no concern about doing so. I mean, like I think when you go out with a message on offense, a strong conservative message, it sells. Uh, but I believe it sells in the general election, too. I didn't I didn't say anything different in my primary election or my general election. I think that's what the American people want. They're tired of the consistency. BS. They're tired of people who go to D.C. and don't do what they said they were going to do. I don't ever pull punches on it. Like, I am who I am. I believe in limited government. I believe in government doing its very basic core duty. I believe in freedom. I believe in the Bill of Rights. I believe in the Lord Almighty. And I want to make sure that our, our government is working uh, for the people in its limited capacity. And so I take that message anywhere, and, and it worked. And I ran on offense on health care uh, against Wendy Davis. They unloaded 16 or 15-something million dollars in, in the race against me. It was an wow. almost $30 million race. And she kept saying, Chip Roy wants the pharmaceutical companies to get rich. He wants right. women and children to die, you know, I want, you know, which is absurd, facially. They actually ran ads, by the way, saying that I don't like puppy dogs. I'm not kidding. That used to be <laughs> oh, say it isn't so. <laughs> That's... so. They literally put out mailers saying that I didn't, you know, that I somehow didn't like puppy dogs. So they, you know, they'll stop at nothing. Yep. So the bottom line is simple. Be confident. Go on offense. Say what you believe. And look, some people aren't going to buy it. But the vast majority of Americans believe in those things. That's my message is you can run in a district like the one I represent, uh, which is maybe a, you know, five, six, seven, eight point district, depending on, you know, it's changing with the population. And we're going through redistricting this time. Right. But um, you can run on offense. Don't be afraid. You don't have to go buy people off by naming a post office or by, you know, saying, but I can work on a bipartisan basis and get a PPP flexibility bill done. I can work on a bipartisan basis to say uh, with Abigail Spanberger, we should put our money in a blind trust sure. so that there's no conflicts of interest. But I can also stand up hardcore for Israel, for freedom, for healthcare freedom, for limiting spending, for standing, standing alongside cops, standing up for life, standing up for the unborn uh, and, and not be afraid of doing that. And I think it still sells. Yeah, I think it does. And I think Americans have seen enough tumult over the last two or three years that they want to get back to just the common sense things that, you know, what's, what's remarkable, most of the things you just talked about are 70% issues. When you take polling, people 70%, 60% agree that's the right approach. And I think that uh, the, the roadmap in 2022 is getting back to the common sense issues that people know work. And, and um, the other day, Bill Barr gave a speech about maybe it's time to re reinvigorate the school choice movement because what's going on in schools is basically a form of new religion being imposed on people, a religion of, of secularism. And, uh, you know, school choice won in big ways in Wisconsin, Michigan, lots of places in the 90s. It seems like that's coming back into vogue. Do you see um, the issues lining up when you when you handicap the 2022 election? How does it feel to you going in You know, a, a year, year and a half out? Well, I think the only thing that will uh, cause Republicans not to do well in 2022 is if we assume we will do well yeah. simply because Democrats are incompetent. Great point. We need to go on offense and we need to go out there and make take the case to the American people. And if we do so, we can have a 30, 40, 50, 60 uh, seat swing. Think about in 2010. Uh, we responded to the 2009 Obama nonsense with, uh, you know, both calling out and criticizing it, but also saying what we would do and talking about earmarks and changing the culture of the town and focusing on spending and so forth. Now, the problem is when we got in power, we dropped the ball. Yeah. We kept spending more money than, than, than we had. That's right. Uh, we, we failed to you know, honor our commitment on the border in 2017 when Trump was president. We didn't pass a good border bill. Uh, and we need to honor our commitment. So we need to go out. We need to go on offense. We need to say, here's the things we're going to do. And then we need to go do it. 
And that's that's it. It's plain and simple. I don't I think Republicans are in the driver's seat, but we're in the driver's seat in a car that I think the American people are giving us one ride in. Yep. And they're going to say, here you go. Go take these Democrats out because they're crazy. But if you don't get this right this time, we're it. not going back with you guys again. Yeah, I think that's a, a lot of the people I talk to read all of the current tea leaves, the political sentiments exactly that way. It's it's really interesting. Um, when you guys get back from uh, from the break, uh, Memorial Day break, uh, what's the most important thing for Republicans in the Congress right now? I know S1 is still working its way through uh, the filibuster rules in the Senate, but what, what are you going to be focused on? What's going to be your primary focus when you get back in the saddle uh, in Washington in a couple of weeks? Well, I think a number of things. Number one is uh, continuing to do everything we can to highlight and throw sand in the gears of the craziness the Democrats are throwing at the American people. Uh, we need to stand strong against this nonsense uh, infrastructure bill that is anything but infrastructure. They want to use it to remake America, to have radical New Green Deal type policies. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, Republicans shouldn't go down the fool's errand of trying to water that down and claiming victory when you, you lose the Overton window, when they, they move the goalpost again. And that's what Democrats do, and they do it well, and we fall prey to it. We shouldn't do that. We should be very clear that we're not going to go down that road. And, uh, and stand against that, because I think what's going to happen is the American people are starting to wake up to the uh, major consequences, not small, major consequences to what the Democrats are doing. And I think if you ask me my second thing is, I would say we should go on offense highlighting those things, hyperinflation that, that's potentially coming, uh, certainly high inflation. Um, the, 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 you know, we're already seeing it, the cost of lumber and the cost of copper and the cost of uh, you know, home building generally and uh, the goods and services generally and the lack of labor supply. We need to stop paying people not to work. We should go on offense on that. We should stay focused on the border because the American people see, uh, saw what was going on. But do you see it in the news every day? Not really. Not, no, you I can don't. tell you, it's just as bad as it was three months ago or worse. I think that May numbers are going to be potentially as high as the April numbers. And we had 178,000 apprehensions in April. I can tell you ranchers in South Texas are getting hurt. I can tell you that fentanyl is pouring across our border. Yeah. I can tell you that the cartels are as strong as they've ever been. I can tell you that China's got influence in Mexico right now, and this is a country right to our south. I can tell you AMLO doesn't run that country. The cartels do. Look, we've got to get real about this stuff, and we need to tell the American people this is what's going on, and we need to get on offense doing so so they know the truth and not let Democrats control any of the narrative or agenda. Such an important thing. And owning the narrative is such an important part. And I think the Republicans have learned that that's an important thing. You know, it used to be years ago, you thought about winning the election from Labor Day to uh, Election Day. But really, the elections are won by owning the narrative in the 18 months before that. And it seems like you guys are really focused on a cogent narrative. You really are working on making sure the people know the stories the, the you know, these trips to the border, what you've done with Israel um, uh, it's, it, it, you're telling a story day in and day out. So people see what, what the consequences are of the last election. It seems to me that's going to be a very important product going into the end of the election season. I agree. And I think if we can zero in and have a tight message, ha hammering them for what they're doing on, on jobs, inflation, et cetera, hammering small businesses, talking about national security, saddling with Iran and China instead of with Israel and so forth, standing up for a strong border, uh, and then hitting some of the cultural fights as well, what they're doing in critical race theory and undermining our schools and so forth. I think we can highlight how radical and extreme they are, but then set forth an agenda where we want to go. And I think that's our job over the next year. Keep highlighting what they're doing and then give a direction of what we will do and what we will push for when we retake the House, Lord willing, the Senate, 
and then uh, make that be the narrative for the 24, 2024 election. And, and look, I'll just say one last thing here. Um, you know, we've got to ask ourselves a question as Americans. Are we truly free? You know, our country is going to celebrate its 250th birthday uh, in five years this July. And I think it's a time for reflection to determine whether or not we're going to control our destiny as free people. Because you're not free if you have $30 trillion of debt undermining your currency and your economic strength. You're, oh, not that's free a great point. Your kids, you're not free if your kids go to a school that bureaucrats are teaching them your country's evil. You're not free if you have borders you don't even control as a sovereign nation. You're not free if you can't go to the doctor of your choice. You're not free if the unborn are being exterminated and you have no say because some judges made something up in the Constitution. These are all true things. We need to start deciding whether we're going to live free or not and establish that and go forth and do so. Such an important word, freedom. It's uh, worth cherishing as we go into this incredible weekend where we honor the men and women by the millions who served our country uh, bravely in the armed forces. And, and we go into 4th of July. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. What, a, what an important word. Congressman, it's such an honor to have you on the show and have such a great discussion. This had a lot of substance to it. I love that. I've, I've watched you in action and substance matters to people. I think there's a, people think, oh, it's all about slogans and it's about substance. And you, you're always, uh, and, and the actions I've seen, you're always talking about substance. And it's so fun to have you on the show and have a conversation like this. And I hope we can get you back soon. I'm happy to come on anytime. Seriously, thanks for what you do. We got to keep getting this narrative out there. I agree with you on substance. I don't know if I'm all that good at it, but I do try. I try to focus on, you know, the things that the people I represent, what they care about, what sure. they talk to me about every day, and try to focus on what matters to them. I've had a few people in Washington, right, who are Trump skeptics, if you will. Right. Um, and I go to them and I say, you need to come out to Texas. You need to come talk to people who are struggling, who are dealing with the border issue, who are dealing with schools that they can't. All the lists you and I have gone through in this conversation, you need to talk to them. It's real. This is real to them. Yep. And, and, and the great strength of the president was that he represented and spoke for the forgotten men and women. And we need to remember that we're, regardless of where we go, we as Republicans, we as conservatives, we as Americans need to stand up for all of the people in this country who just want to go live their life free, uh, you know, as freely as they can, go to church, go to school, do their job, love their families, be safe in their communities. That's our job as leaders. What a novel idea. I think it's exactly how the founding fathers intended it. So, Congressman, thank you so much. I wish you luck on this uh, holiday weekend. Hope you have a good time with your family and, and your constituents back in Texas. And like I said, we're, we're for sure going to try to get you back on the show. It was a real honor to have you today. Thanks, John. God bless. You too, sir. Thank you very much. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. 
There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, America, welcome back for the commercial break. And it is time. Yep, time to get back to work, time to get back to the family, whatever you're doing today. Really appreciate you listening. Really thought we had a great substantive uh, conversation with Congressman Chip Roy about ideas, policy ideas, things that take the worries, concerns, hopes, ambitions of Americans and turn them into things that actually might benefit them in Washington rather than harm them. Really grateful to his extraordinary um, uh, contribution to civil dialogue, to ideas. You know, when Republicans have won elections, it's because they had an idea. Donald Trump, build the wall end the illegal immigration and the safety and security threat, uh, unleash the economy by getting rid of regulation, he wins. Uh, 1993, the contract of America, and I think you uh, Newt, put Newt Gingrich and Republicans into a long reign of power in Congress, which was, was uh, rare uh, in, the, in the half century before that. I think you hear in Congressman Roy and others like him, there's a lot like him um, that are, are really uh, uh, doing ideas. They want it, they're, they're tired of the partisan personal sniping they want to get words and out of the way and action into the system enough crosswords enough finger pointing enough uh insulting enough bashing how about getting some ideas done that help the american people and i think congressman roy fits into that movement in congress that i think you're seeing a lot of people get involved with there's just a lot of substantive members of congress right now talking about ideas, policies, how to make your life better, how to make our government smaller, how to enrich your freedoms, how to protect your security, how to get rid of undue influences on your children in the education system that you don't support, uh, secularism, whatever it is. Um, there are some real substantive people talking about substantive ideas and amidst all of the warfare that the rest of the media want to do, every day the media comes in trying to create a crisis, a personal battle. This person hated this person, that person wanted to get fired. This person insulted that person, that one's in war with them. And they are missing that there is a large number of people in Washington, a large number of political leaders who are actually taking action to solve problems, address policies. And I think Congressman Roy, a lot of the Texans, I think what Governor... Um, Abbott has done, the legislature in Texas, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, uh, Ken Paxton. There's a lot of Texans that are, aren't sitting on their laurels anymore. They're getting things done. They're addressing critical race theory in ways that you know address parents' concerns. They're dealing with the border. They're dealing with um, uh, uh, jobless benefits that maybe are encouraging people to stay home and not go out and get a job, fill the marketplace. A lot of ideas flowing around this great country. Political leaders are starting to do their job again getting back to ideas and public service and away from the sniping. And I think you heard in Congressman Roy today, a person that really aspires to achieve that. You can judge whether he's succeeded or not, but there were some ideas today that I think uh, people got a hold of. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of, of the time and the, uh, the substance that, that the Congressman brought to this conversation, like so many of the other Congress people we've had on the show recently, been very, very blessed to have people come on this show and talk about the people's business not about the partisan sniping that the media obsesses over. All right, before we go, I want to just remind you of all the great people that sponsor our show here that make Just the News possible. And I love the folks at Ancestry.com. Why? Because they're at their core. They're family-oriented. They're helping you get connected 
to your family, to your ancestors, to your family history. Knowing where you came from helps set the compass for where you can go in the future. And there is no better product, no better opportunity, no more fun opportunity for your family to all get together and use the great tools at Ancestry.com to learn about the stories of your family's past. Your past is your uh, guides your future. It's your compass. Uh, and so many of us have not taken the time in our busy lives to find out where our family came from, what they did. Ancestry.com can help you find things you can't get any other way. Self-discovery moments in every way possible. I recently learned that my grandfather, who died when my dad was three, so I never met him. My dad really doesn't remember him worked for the P.T. Barnum Circus in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and played a very important role, and his whole family did. Learning that, knowing that rich history, uh, you know, right up in the years just after the great movie, you know, The Greatest Showman, that was unbelievable. We're still talking about it from that discovery. You can make discoveries like this. You can get closer to your family. I ended up calling aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces and cousins I hadn't talked to in years as we got involved in this project. What a cool idea. You should do it. It's a great way over the Memorial Day weekend, over the 4th of July, spend a little time investing in your family history. Learn something you can give to the children, the grandchildren, to your other relatives who maybe are too busy just trying to make ends meet. It is a great opportunity. You get closer to your family, and all you have to do to get started, to get the best deal, the best discount, the best opportunity, you go to Ancestry.com slash Just The News. That's pretty easy because you type that in all day to check our website ancestry.com slash just the news and see what you can discover together. I'm telling you when you discover things with your family and you share it with them, it does bring you closer. It creates new bonds, new memories, new discussions, cousins of mine that I hadn't seen in years. I've been talking to, but just because of this little experiment we did ancestry.com can help you connect branches of your tree. It is your family history. You should own it, know it, share it, Make it part of your family lore. Make it part of your family opportunity. All you got to do to get started, Ancestry.com slash Just the News. Start your free trial. This is an experience, an adventure, a journey. Once you get started, you're going to get addicted to it. Trust me, I know I am now. You can really have fun with this and you bring your family closer together. Ancestry.com slash Just the News. You know what to do. Get there. You will not be disappointed. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. God bless you. God bless this amazing country. We'll be back tomorrow with more news. Until then, we wish you a blessed night. If you need that news fix, just go to justthenews.com. You want to start researching your family, ancestry.com slash justthenews. The adventure of a lifetime is waiting for you there. All right, talk to you tomorrow.